Let us pray. Father, may our prayer every day be that our heart become your treasure, and in our heart be the treasure of you. Wherever we go, whatever we do, people might see you in us. And so we come now to seriously consider, once again, Holy Scripture, that you might grow that grace of love in our hearts. I pray that you might help us to actively listen and critically think so that we can grow in our capacity to radically love as we've been loved. These things I ask and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome back to the second sermon from our stewardship series, The S Word. Stewardship, the S Word. Stewardship is not about money. As we learned last week, stewardship is about trusting God. We can demonstrate our trust in God by accepting the opportunity to pray and be present. Prayer is foundational to stewarding the life and the faith we've been gifted. A part of last week's sermon application included asking you to consider how much time you might want to devote daily to praying for Calvary Church. And on Monday of this week, I had a phone call with one of you that is my favorite type of phone call to receive as a pastor. It's the type of phone call that any educator or pastor would love to receive. It's a phone call that comes with a great question about the sermon. So for the one of you listening, thank you. I love those questions. I really do. So thank you for listening. Thank you when you ask me questions. And so here's your great question. It's a great question. Pastor Randy, I want to pray specifically for the church, but I don't know what to say. How do I pray for Calvary Church? Isn't that a great question? That is a fabulous question. Now remember, this is directed intercessory prayer. It does not have to be long to be effective. Also, just so you know, in your own prayers, when you pray aloud, it's more effective. I think. Because when we pray something out loud, we're vulnerable in speaking it aloud. And I think it's in our weakness that God makes us stronger. So here are four things. Four things that you can pray specifically for Calvary Church. One, you can pray for the vision. In other words, you can name it. Now I'm going to go into that a little bit more in just a second. You can pray for the vision. You can pray for the pastors and the staff. Name us. If you don't know all our names... This is a good place to start. Simply praying our name. Lord, pray for Randy. You know he's a hot mess. Somehow he's leading us. And you know he needs all the help he can get. Lord, be with Randy. Right? Lord, be with Randy's family. They don't deserve to have him. But, you know, they need all the help they can get too. You know, whatever. Pray. Pray for us by name. It helps. It makes a difference. Pray for the program ministries. And pray for the mission projects. Name them. If you don't know them all, learn them and name one a day. And pray for those that aren't yet here. Pray for those that aren't yet here. We have a lot of zip codes represented in our congregation. There's not a whole lot of folks from the neighborhood. So maybe we can pray for them too. 
Now, finding answers to, I think, the last three are going to be relatively easy for you. But vision? Vision? Well, the vision has been a work in progress since I started here. And this is a proposed vision for Calvary Church. And I plan on presenting this at the church council meeting for revisions and then approval at church conference on November 22nd. And listen, the real work of strategic planning and alignment that's going to take place after this vision statement is approved. So you can also begin praying now, not only for the vision statement that will be, but for the 12 people who have not yet received the phone call to say, hey, will you help me with the plan? So here's the vision. Building a vibrant, multi-generational expression of Jesus Christ in Harrisburg and beyond. That's the vision. Building a vibrant, multi-generational expression of Jesus Christ in Harrisburg and beyond. If you pray, simply pray that vision over the church every day. God will do great things. But let me unpack the vision for you just a little more. Multi-generational? Because that's the heart's desire of everyone with whom I've spoken of the last 16 months. All y'all have said, we want to see every generation represented. Vibrant? Vibrant because you and God both want a congregation that is active and energetic and spirit-filled. Expression? Because people and generations express Jesus differently. A congregation that is building a vibrant, multi-generational expression of Jesus is one that honors and celebrates how the different generations express the love of Jesus Christ. And just like each individual and generation express the love of Jesus differently, so too do many and all of our missions and ministries. For example, music ministry expresses Jesus much differently than the food bank. But both express Jesus equally well. A mission trip to Redbird or Onondaga expresses Jesus differently than a youth retreat to Wesley Forest. But both express Jesus equally well. And friends, it's going to take the work of fighting for one another's expression of Jesus for this thing to be successful. And God's vision for Calvary Church is not going to happen if we don't name it and we don't fight for it. And the same can be said about God's vision for each of us personally. That's why properly understanding stewardship is vital for our relationship with God and with each other. Because stewardship is not about money. Stewardship is trusting God to help us fight the good fight of faith. And the good fight of faith is dwelling in God's vision. Now, this next statement may sound counterintuitive to you, but will you hang with me for a moment? God's vision for you, personally, God's vision for you in your life with Jesus is to be content. God's vision for you is contentment in your life with Jesus and you're going to have to fight for your contentment. That's what I mean by counterintuitive. 
In today's lesson, Paul writes the following to a young pastor named Timothy. By the way, Timothy was way in over his head. Huge church. He's very young, way in over his head when he was sent to Ephesus. He writes to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, why would we have to fight for contentment if we're walking with Jesus? Well, because the world around us almost exclusively models entitlement. Entitlement thinking can lead to discontentment. Discontentment can lead to greed, and greed can lead us astray from the new life that God has given us in Jesus. The church at Ephesus, they had become discontent. A congregation that was founded by the Apostle Paul had grown into a thriving and connected group of believers, but somewhere along the way, they lost God's vision both individually and as a body. They were no longer finding contentment in their walk with Jesus because they lost sight of Him. So they started looking elsewhere for contentment. So much so that false teachers had infiltrated the congregation and were threatening to tear it apart. So to a congregation that had lost its vision, Paul encourages Timothy to remind them of a key stewardship principle. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. You know, I've done a lot of funerals as a pastor. And the one thing I can tell you with absolute certainty is that I've not met a soul yet that's taken their body with them. You know, we naturally want to accumulate wealth and stuff. I love stuff. But when we practice stewardship, we are reminded that we can't take any of it with us. Not our possessions and not our bodies. The practice of stewardship, by the way, finds its root in the word steward. And a steward is a person who manages the affairs or the property of another. See, God has made you a steward of the life he has given you. And your life is short. God gives us everything, including our lives, to manage just for a little while. But that doesn't mean that wealth is a bad thing. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to accumulate stuff. Wealth is never bad. And stuff is fun. Right? Don't you have some stuff you love? I have stuff I love. If I don't see somebody nod ahead and go, yeah, I got some stuff I love. Yeah. The stuff's not bad. Accumulating wealth is not bad. It's our attitude about accumulating wealth that can become dangerous, not only to our relationship with God, but in our relationships with other people. Paul continues, people who want to get rich will fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish ways and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And here it is, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now this verse is often misquoted, right? What's it often misquoted as? Money is the root of all evil. But that's not accurate. It's about attitude. Can money have an attitude? No. 
is an object, but living things, ah, we can definitely have attitudes. And the attitude at stake here is the love of money. This word love is the the Greek word phileo. It's where we get brotherly love from, like like Philadelphia, right? The phileo, meaning brotherly love, or, or, or the love of close friends. You know, you cannot make a close friend of money because money is an object with which you've been entrusted. Money is a possession. It's not a person, and it ain't God, that's for sure. And yet when our attitude becomes disconnected from God, We can find ourselves becoming overcome with greed with a vision of entitlement instead of a vision of stewardship. So how? How can we overcome a vision of entitlement and remain in God's vision for contentment? Well, if you ain't figured it out by now, you're going to by the end of this. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Stewardship is trusting the living God to help us fight the good fight of faith. God intends for us to be active participants in the faith we've been given and the life or the lives with which we've been temporarily entrusted. We can fight the good faith. By fleeing from greed, pursuing righteousness, and placing our hope in God, not stuff. Fleeing from greed, pursuing righteousness, placing our hope in God, not stuff. Point number one, fight the good fight by fleeing from greed. Paul says, but you, child of God, flee from all this. Escape, fly, run, move hastily from danger because you're, you're, I almost said a scared, because you're so scared of it. Because you're afraid of it. Recognize, friends, the danger associated with the attitudes you adopt. Not only your attitudes, but the attitudes of your friends. That was one of the trickiest parts of of parenting, especially um, middle schoolers, when we had middle schoolers, is the group of friends that they may or may not fall in with. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Because my children that didn't have certain attitudes might fall in with this group of friends over here for a while. And let me tell you, that can completely take them down the wrong path. Those of you who have parented, you know what I'm talking about. It's not just your attitude that matters. It's the attitude of those around you that matters. And if you find that your attitude about possessions, including money, starts shifting away from stewardship and moving toward ownership, then you need to run. And run quickly. But if you're going to overcome read, you've got to run away from it. But when you run, you've got to know where you're going. So you've got to go in the right direction. And God has a plan for going in the right direction. God wants us to run away from this and turn toward his vision. Which is to fight the good fight by pursuing righteousness. Paul writes, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. This means conforming to the standards of God. This means finding God's vision for us and living into it. You see, in case you haven't been reminded in a while, you no longer belong to the world. You belong to God. So get into hot pursuit of God. Get after it. Learn God's ways. Pursue your relationship with Him. And others are praying for you. You need to know that others are praying for you. They are praying for you to draw closer to God, but only you can choose to pursue Him. We can fight the good fight 
by fleeing from greed, and by pursuing righteousness. And lastly, we can fight the good fight by placing our hope in God, not stuff. Paul writes, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Again, notice that the command is one of attitude. It's one of heart. Paul says, don't be high and mighty about all the stuff you own because it's not going to be yours for long. Instead, adopt God's vision for you. God provides for our contentment, no matter the circumstances, both in this life and in the life to come. Remember when y'all were some, some I mean, maybe not, not everybody, but, you know, a young adult maybe starting out just how bad it was. Or maybe it wasn't bad for you. We, we moved to Pennsylvania on a, on a, on a prayer and, and, and a couple of dollars and couches with holes in them. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I don't know how we got here, but God, God helped us. We were content in knowing that he was going to help us and Eventually, we'd at least get some couches that didn't have holes in them. It's really all I wanted. And you know, those of you who have been following along with my, uh, my car escapade, you remember that uh, my car was in an accident on March 7th, and I got it back last Thursday. What can you do but smile, right? Right? Here's the thing, though. God provided for me throughout that process, no matter how frustrated I became. And let me tell you, I got frustrated. God will give us what we need for our contentment if our focus is on him and not our stuff. That's why Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Next slide. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. We can take these treasures with us because they're not objects but attitudes. And that means they're written on the fabric of our souls. These treasures of heaven are not just offered to us for then but for now to help us fight the good fight of faith and to live into God's vision for us. And friends, don't forget, one day nothing will remain that we own. But God, who was and is and is to come, who is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, it is this God who is giving us gifts that will not perish. That's why I say stewardship is not about money. Stewardship is the practice of feeding our souls with the ways of God. In this manner, we can develop the best practices of being managers, managers, stewards of God's wealth. A wealth he's given us for only a little while. Now, as members of the United Methodist Church, we vow to uphold the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And we can demonstrate placing our hope in God by prayerfully considering what gifts we can offer. You know God is a giver. 
In fact, he's the author of giving. He gave us life in his image. He gave us creation. He gave us a relationship with him. And when our love failed, he gave us himself in Jesus. And Jesus gave it all so that we might receive what the Father is giving, and that's life. God is a giver. And the vision God has for us is to be givers as well. To give God our gifts is to commit our life and our resources to advance what Jesus gave and is still giving through the Holy Spirit. So as we begin answering questions around our renewal vows, we add to the application of prayers and presence. We add gifts. Last week I asked, I can intentionally increase my daily prayers by so many minutes a week, day, whatever. You can decide that. With that, I also added, I can prayerfully consider where my presence is needed. Today we consider I can relationally commit relationally commit to offering my spiritual and financial gifts to the mission of the church. Now, I used relationally because of our relationship with God and each other. Relationally reminds us to honor each other's expressions of Jesus Christ as we give. And please, 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 if you've tuned out to everything else and you've still not got the memo that this is not about money, you've tuned everything out, then tune back in right now. Don't cheapen God's grace by only thinking of gift giving in terms of money. God has created each one of us uniquely to fulfill his vision in our lives and in his beloved community. Maybe, maybe God has given you the gift of organization. Maybe God has given you the gift of music. Maybe God has given you the gift of teaching. Has God given you the gift for cleaning? Caring for children, picking up trash, cooking, talking, driving. Can you smile? Because that's a gift too. Has God not also given us these gifts to provide us our daily bread? The food on our table, the roofs over our heads, and the clothes on our backs. Has the outcome of using these gifts Blessed each of us financially in different measures? Yeah. God has given us all these things, not simply for our own advancement, but for the advancement of the kingdom of God, because that's a kingdom that will never end. Brothers and sisters, stewardship is not about money. Stewardship is trusting God to help us fight the good fight of faith. And we can fight that fight by giving God our gifts for the fight. And listen, you can't outgive God. If nobody's ever told you that, you cannot outgive God. God will multiply whatever you give Him. Whatever you give God in prayers, he's going to multiply. Whatever you give God in presence, he's going to multiply. Whatever you give God in gifts, he's going to multiply in ways that you're never, ever, ever going to see. Because that's how awesome and powerful the living God is. So in the words of the Apostle Paul, fight the good fight of faith.
Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fight the good fight, because stewardship is about fighting the good fight of faith. So what gifts, what gifts will you bring to the fight? And that's God's word. Seriously consider this day for Calvary Church and with all that have ears to hear. Thanks be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.